The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus began to speak in the synagogue at Nazareth. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself, and you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all of the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of a triune God of love. Amen. During the year after my return from the Peace Corps, I was, to say the least, completely adrift in terms of my direction in the world. I had a degree in art education, but after a short stint as a long-term sub, I could not find work in my field. I was going to a wonderful church where I was a Sunday school teacher and a lector, But I was the only 20-something there, and I didn't actually know very many parishioners over the age of 10. So I thought I'd move across country to figure myself out. But then I met Greg, and soon realized I couldn't go anywhere. I had to stay exactly where I was and figure out if I was going to get married. I had so much to discern during a time in my life that even grocery store decisions were overwhelming to me. I mean, I had been buying tomatoes from the tomato lady and rice from the rice man for two years. Five varieties of tomatoes and ten of rice was insanity to me. Now, at the time, my best friend Megan was in a formal discernment process with our diocese, moving toward her ordination to the priesthood. And she found herself wishing that I could have a similar process, not toward the priesthood, that was so far from our radar at that point, but a process of discernment where there was guidance. It was really too bad that there wasn't an organized process of discernment for all people who wanted it, not just people who thought they were being called to ordained ministry, but people who were deciding whether or not to get married or whether to take a sharp left turn onto a new career path, whether to find a new church or join a new ministry, or even whether to boycott the insanity of American grocery stores and start a roadside tomato stand. I was tempted. Now, for most of you, 
I don't know what it is that you are discerning in your life right now. But I think we are all discerning something all the time. What school to go to or send our children to, our next job, our retirement, our next ministry at church or elsewhere. What to do within a particular relationship. What sort of medical care we want to accept or decline. Where to live. What to do with our money. Who to vote for for president. What causes or projects to put our best efforts into. How to create more adequate space in our life for God. The list goes on. For better or worse, discernment is a constant byproduct of the gift of free will. And so, in light of that, I have two hopes this morning, having just read that collection of readings that we just read and heard. The first one is, I hope that you take this particular lectionary insert home and tuck it away in a safe place and keep it, so that you may use it any time you need good guidelines and guidance in a discernment process. It is perhaps the most beautiful collection of readings that we have for entering a prayerful, spiritually guided discernment process. My second hope is that in the next few minutes, I can either speak something useful into whatever you are currently discerning, or you can tune me out successfully enough to let your mind wander to the place in your consciousness where God is speaking to you this morning. I recently heard Parker Palmer tell the following rabbinical tale. A young man went to his rabbi and asked, Rabbi, what do I need to do to become more like Moses before I die? And the rabbi responded, My son, When you die, you will not be asked why you weren't more like Moses. You will be asked why you were not more like yourself. I think God created each of us individually as conduits to get more of God's love into the world, and that in order to optimize that potential, we need to always be seeking ways to become more like ourselves. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God tells us and Jeremiah in our first reading today. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, when Jeremiah hesitated and pleaded inadequacy, God did not back down. Rather, God said, do not be afraid, for I am with you. We are going to do this thing together, you and I. Along with Jeremiah, we are given God's reassurance of divine presence in that moment, and we can respond to that promise with the words of today's psalm, a psalm which acknowledges God's in utero presence with us as our stronghold, our refuge, our hope. That in utero presence, and that's the second time we've heard it today, began not at baptism, not when we thought we could conceptualize God, and not when we could become old enough to sign on the dotted line of our particular religion. 
but in the womb, before anyone else ever even saw our face. What a powerful presence that is. What love. And so it is from the womb that we are trained, bathed in the great love of God. Love that is, as Paul's letter to the Corinthians tells us, patient. Love that is kind. Love that is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Does not insist on its own way, but rejoices in the truth. And does not rejoice in wrongdoing. My goodness, can you imagine a presidential campaign based on that kind of love? And perhaps it should be the basis of any presidential campaign or any other endeavor of service. Because this description of love was meant to expound upon the one essential component of living into our God-given gifts and vocations. If I speak in tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I might boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. The one essential component to any work we offer to the world is the thing that God has been feeding us since the womb, love. If we do not have it, or if we lose hold of it in our everyday frustrations and relationships, we need to go back to it with re-remembering and re-manifesting love. I believe that God infused love into each of us on an atomic level so that when we stop and listen to our life, what we hear is love. And what we choose to do must have everything to do with that essence of our created being. In fact, when we are fully tapped into the current of love that runs through our veins, I do not think that we can live authentically by any other motivation. And when we speak of this love in the church, we do not ever mean easy sentimental love. We mean love that compels us to take great risks in order to assist God in bringing about a time when all are safe, all are fed, and all are regarded As beloved. Jesus' life was so clearly fueled by that current of love. A current so strong he could not forever stay in the safety of his wood shop. So he voyaged to be baptized. To spend 40 days in the desert. And to step into his ministry. And then to go home and confess his vocational calling and true identity in his own synagogue. What a shock it must have been for his relatives and neighbors to hear him claim his calling as the one who would fulfill Isaiah's prophecy. Last week, we heard him claim it. And this week, we heard how offended they were by the prophet in their midst. 
And so, something important happened. Something we need to take notice of as we contemplate our own lives. They tried to throw him off a cliff. One of those more colorful moments in the gospel. It begs the question, where are we throwing our prophets off cliffs so that we can maintain the status quo, protect our privilege, or turn a blind eye to injustice? And how does that action effectively block the flow of God's love through the veins of humanity? And perhaps an even more important question for us each to reflect upon inside our hearts is where are we internally throwing our own prophetic voices off a cliff before the world can even hear what God might be trying to say and do through us? Through you. Did you notice that Jesus passed through the midst of the cliff thrower offers, unharmed and went on his way? You see, the way was made clear. He had God's work to do. And so do you and you. So do you and you and you. And you, and you, so do, so do I. We all have God's work to do. It's the work of discerning which path we will take in any given moment. It is the work of finding paths that best ease the flow of God's love through our lives and into the world. The work of being conduits of divine love. Love that is kind, patient, hopeful, healing, And restorative. And we know that we need not be afraid. For God has promised us from the womb on forward to be by our side every step of the way. Yesterday at Eileen Benedetto's ordination to the priesthood in Acton, I heard a Rilke poem that I love. And I will close by sharing it with you. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing, embody me. Flare up like flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand.